management, leadership. If you're all about that, I know that you're ready for the leaderish podcast. Ay, change your mindset because it is vital. Remembering the leader is not all about a title. It's about helping others level up, get their best. Talking about the skills, time to focus, time to represent. Hey, Dr. Brandy, break it down just like that. Time to tune in to the leaderish podcast. Hey, let's go. The Leaderish Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Leaderish Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Brandy, and this is part two of our Q&A. Now, guess what? After the first Q&A episode, my inbox blew up. You guys were mad because you missed out. So make sure you get your questions in. We're always letting the inbox build up. And then when we get questions, we have one of these Q&A episodes. So you can text them directly to me, 215-608-5687. And then of course, on my website, drbrandy.com, you can submit questions there. So let's get into our questions of the day. So my first question that came in has to do with a millennial. So hi, Dr. Brandy, I am a millennial. I've been working at my recent company for a year and a half and I'm looking for a promotion, but is it too soon for me to go out for a promotion? All right now, millennial. So here's the thing, millennials get a bad rep, okay? And this is one of the reasons. I think there's a perception in the workplace, and maybe it's the truth, that millennials want to move up the ladder way too quickly. They get hired, and after a year, they're ready to be the boss, the, the, the manager, or something of that nature. What I'm gonna recommend here um, are a couple of things for you to, to think about. It's not about should you go out for a promotion? Should you try? I think you can always throw your hat in the ring. Why not? You know, if you're qualified and you've done what you need to do and, and you you will be a great asset to the team, absolutely. Why not? The worst thing that can happen is no, right? Or you get some feedback from others that maybe you're not ready or something like that. I think the biggest, um, and this is really for all millennials out there that have been working at their job, you feel like you have been killing it, doing a great job and you're ready to move up. Don't always think about a promotion and moving up as the next best step. Some organizations, based on how their organizational chart is and how the hierarchy works, there isn't anywhere to go, right? That's, or if they're a smaller company, it's not that you're gonna move up anywhere. What I say that you should really focus on is learning new skills and taking on more responsibility. When you show managers, leaders, your supervisor that you're willing to take on more responsibility, you show that you're the leader before you have the title. This is a strategy that I usually um, coach and provide to some millennials that we that we coach over at the Center for Millennial Engagement. We say you have to be that leader before you get that leadership job, before you get that opportunity. So the idea is not to wait for someone to give you, for you to interview and for someone to give you a role. It's for you to almost show up as that leader ahead of time so that when something um, becomes available, you're the natural fit for it. And you can or already demonstrate that you have the skills. So what I'm going to recommend is that over the next six months, you actually seek opportunities, actively seek opportunities in your workplace to take on more responsibility, to jump on another project, to be the chair or co-chair of some sort of volunteer committee at work, to help out on a project, to shadow somebody else. We always um, you know, talk about mentorship and a lot of millennials say, my job doesn't offer mentorship, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but at the end of the day, people can be your mentors without them even knowing it. 
You need to gather as much information as you can in the time that you have and not wait for someone to say, hi, I want to be your mentor. There are so many people that were mentoring me and didn't even know it because I was making sure that I was around them. I was in their space. I was asking questions. I made sure that I built them up as a mentor and, and to use you know, the information that they have. Once you do that for six months, people should be in other rooms saying your name. They should be thinking about who would be great for this promotion, who would be great for this opportunity, and your name should be coming up because you've already demonstrated that you are good at those skills that a leader or a manager or whoever would have that promotion has. So try to think of yourself in the role you wanna get, start behaving as if you're there now and that opportunity will come to you a lot quicker. All right. Question number two, let's see, there's so many here. So what about, um, okay, here's a good one. Dr. Brandy, I am a hard worker at work, but I never get the recognition. I've been passed over for promotions multiple times and I feel like I'm getting nowhere. What do I do? Okay. Now, I have to talk to all of you workhorses that are out there. I call you a workhorse, okay? Being a workhorse will never get you ahead. There are so many of you that think that if you work harder, that if you do more, that if you keep your head down and just do your work and do a good job, you will be promoted. But we all know that it's that person that does less work than you, but they do 50% more networking than you, 50% more internal politicking than you do. They meet other people. They, they're at events. You know, I used to be one of those people and I, I haven't worked in a decade, right? In like a, a formal corporate setting because I'm an entrepreneur. But I used to be that person. I don't have time for happy hour. I'm here to work. I don't have time to, to um, you know, uh, connect with you guys after work and to hang and be social. But, but I remember even then there were opportunities that I got passed over for because I didn't go to the networking events. And when you go to the networking events, it's not that you're there sipping half off cocktails with your coworkers. The purpose is that people get to know you. They get to know more about you, who you are, a little bit about maybe your personal life or just other aspects of, of your personality. We cannot diminish the fact that when you're, you are being considered for a new job or when you are being considered for a promotion, it's about if people want to work with you. Your skills and a lot of things can be trained. A lot of you are very technically inept. You're fine. Um, I'm not even sure if I use that word. Let me just, hold on y'all, let me just do a, uh, a Google moment, okay, to make sure, because I feel like I definitely maybe messed that definition of the word lacking, showing a lack of skills. So no, that's not the word. That's not the word I was thinking of. So um, hold on, let me just look up the antonym for inept. This is just live learning here, guys. You got, at some point, you have to be able to learn on the spot. Because what I wanted to say was that many of you actually have the technical qualifications, okay? Technically, see, I was just trying to make it sound. See, here's the funny thing. When you're trying to be special and use big words, you know, not that inept is a big word, but then the antonym is like able. It's like, was I really just trying to just say you're able? But when you're technically able, capable, competent, expert, qualified, skilled, ultra competent, it apparently is a word. But when you are technically skilled and you know that's fine, don't double down on that area. What you want to do is double down on those other aspects of your brand, like your transferable skills, like your personality, personality, let those things shine in the workplace. And so 
Um, you know, this is probably one of the top questions I get and, and it sounds counterintuitive, but working harder and doing more for your employer does not guarantee that you're going to get ahead. It's about people knowing you, knowing what you need, knowing what you're looking for. You sometimes you're working so hard and your head is down this way that no one even knows what you're looking for. They don't even know that you want to move up in the company. They don't even know that you have other aspirations of maybe having another leadership or management role. And so it's your responsibility to breathe a little bit, stop working long hours, burning yourself out, thinking that that's going to get you ahead and have some more conversations, tune in and check in in a different way. And I've found that that really has helped people get ahead. And so I'm sorry that you aren't getting recognized. You know, that that sucks with so much going on right now um, in today's companies. I can totally see how that happens. We hear it a lot, but the recognition will happen when you actually share the great aspects of what you're doing um, through communication as well. So the last little tip and strategy that I'll give is, let's say that, um, and a lot of people don't feel comfortable because they don't want to gloat. They don't want to seem like they are showing off at work. But I say it's not showing off if you can show receipts, okay? If it's a fact, it's not showing off. You're just literally telling people the truth. And so at meetings and things like that, you need to make sure if someone checks in with you, how's everything going with your projects? Are you doing good? Are you, oh, I'm doing great. All projects are good. Instead of just doing that, go the extra mile. All projects are great. I'm actually two days ahead of schedule. I created uh, this process to work more efficiently. And so this year, the project is probably going to be under budget. Some Anything good that's happening as a result of how you're doing your work, try to find opportunities to communicate that to others, even if they didn't even ask you. So say you're not in that staff meeting scenario, make up a reason, um, you know, in a one-on-one -on -one conversation to kind of, you know, oh, how's your day going? Oh my gosh, my day is going so well. I literally uh, came up with this amazing hack for the XYZ project. Looks like we're going to be coming in under budget, you know, make it up, share, tell people subtly in those ways. Then people will know, wow, you really are killing the game. You really are a great asset. But if you have your head down and you're working, 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 a lot of people, they ne they will never know. So you have to share. You have to, um, and some people, you know, we had another episode earlier this season. I was talking about the power hungry leader is all about that social climb. They're all about getting to the next level. But you can still do that and you can still shine on your own without having that nasty kind of disposition to you that the power hungry leader would. Make sure that you're sharing all of your wins with your colleagues and coworkers. It'll help you in the long run. Okay, let's get into our next question. So Dr. Brandy, I'm having a hard time managing my team now that we've gone remote. I don't even know how to evaluate their performance because we're on Microsoft Teams for meetings and I don't see them throughout the day as I would if they were in the office. Wow, so this actually, um, it's something that's very relevant right now with the remote workforce and things like that. What I'm going to recommend is that you have uh, managers consider having uh, more face time with their team members. So maybe a virtual tea, a virtual check-in. It doesn't have to be a formal project check-in every week, but maybe just like a, a five to 10 minute meeting, meeting that you do every week. 
I love something called praise and polish where you're able to give some feedback and get some feedback. So you may have like a 10 minute check-in meeting, have a little bit of small talk, but the purpose of the meeting is to go over some praise, what they're doing well, some polish, what maybe they can do better. And then you can also solicit your team member to give you some feedback as well. So you can say, what about me? And they can let you know, you know what, I'll be honest, I'm really struggling with XYZ now that we're remote. So, you know, can we do an extra meeting per week on the XYZ project so that I can get a little bit more guidance, you know? So create those extra communication opportunities with your team so that when it comes around to the performance evaluation time, you actually have something to evaluate them about. You know, you, you know that you've checked in. The other thing is now that we have gone remote in the workforce, you know, make sure that you're not waiting for that annual review to give them feedback. You know, particularly with millennials, they love feedback in the moment. Keep it casual. You don't have to schedule a special meeting. I need to talk to you about something. You don't have to do that. Just catch them casually. Hey, real quick. Good job last week um, at the meeting. But next time when Bob is doing that piece, you're actually going to go after him, not before him. Because what that'll do is ABCD, you know, just quick feedback in the moment, very casual. And that will help you make sure that we're not waiting all the way into the performance review to give them some feedback where they can change and adjust now, especially since we're all readjusting and calibrating to working remotely. So um, the other thing is I would recommend that even at a staff meeting or a team meeting that you have, that you're honest and open with your team. Be vulnerable and say, you know what, you all, I am really struggling a little bit or I'm finding it difficult or more challenging to manage you all remotely. So please, I have an open virtual door policy please put a you know meeting on my calendar on Fridays between this time and this time if you ever need to check in with me that's the time that I'll make sure to allocate I have available for you to you know meet any of your needs you may even go so far as creating like a form where people can make an accommodation request form you know you may even do something where in the zoom meetings or at meetings there's a certain code word that you use or a emoji or something that you put up um, or a check-in where if, if things are not going well at, at the house because maybe um, one of your team members, their children are home now doing virtual school again. And so things have shifted a little bit. They can kind of give you a signal that, hey, I'm present, I'm here, but I'm having a little bit of rough time. So if I don't talk a lot today in the meeting, it's because something else is going on. So that you don't misinterpret maybe that Janet has been quiet for the last two weeks you misinterpret that as having something to do with her work performance or her employee engagement when really something happened at home. So we just want those systems and processes in place so that you can keep track of what may be going on with your team, but definitely at a minimum, just communicate with them and ask them to help you be a better manager. All right, let's keep it moving. Um, let me see here. Okay, I have another I have another one that came in and this has to do with let me see. There's so many guys. There are so many. I can't even I don't even want to zoom in on the camera. There's so many here. I'm literally trying to pick the best of the best. Okay, here's another one. Dr. Brandy, my coworker is always offended now that we've started our diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. I'm walking on eggshells and I feel that I can't say anything right without offending them. Okay, so this is not the Diversity and Confusion podcast, but shameless plug, go over and head to diversityandconfusion.com, uh, drbrandy.com. You'll be able to see the link for that. But I'm always down for a good DEI question. 
So, you know, right now I do believe that um, America, I can only speak on America, but what I've seen in the workplace as a result of some of these diversity, equity, and inclusion topics that have come up is everyone seems offended. Literally, like everyone is offended. God forbid that you um, say the wrong pronoun for someone or the wrong vocabulary word or whatever. People are offended. Am I a proponent of honoring how people want to be addressed? Absolutely. You know, we have to honor that. We have to honor people's boundaries and, and language. But at the same time, I think it's a two way street in terms of us being able to um, allow people grace and some time to adapt and adjust to changes. If you came in last week and there was one way that I addressed you and you decided over the weekend that you wanted to be addressed differently, I didn't know that. I didn't get the memo. Did a memo come out? And if it did, maybe I didn't read it. You know, so we have to, I always believe, think the best of people unless they are just egregiously saying something disrespectful or something like that. But if someone kind of steps on your toes and adjusts, you know, when you're building your cultural competence, it's not that you do that by reading a book, by watching a documentary on all someone else's culture or someone else's experience as a disabled person or whatever. And then you go out into the world and you can behave perfectly with those type of individuals. Building your cultural competence is about being authentic and genuine and sincere, being willing to make a few mistakes. And then when people set boundaries with you or they educate you on how you should maybe adjust your language, being receptive to change that behavior. But on the flip side, when you are helping others build their cultural competence or just helping people understand how they need to interact with you, you need to do that in a way that is graceful and that's educational and that doesn't make people feel shameful about maybe making a mistake, right? And so I'm not only talking to the person who wrote this, I'm really talking to the person who's so offended by everything that you're saying. You know, you find that the psychology around offense usually has to do with unresolved hurt unresolved issues and people who maybe haven't healed with someone who's not even you, someone who's not even in the room. And so you'll find that rather than someone addressing their father, addressing their spouse or their significant other or that friend or that person, whoever that they actually have an issue with, they'll walk around with a fence and everyone triggers them who does the same thing that that original person did that they never healed from. And again, I'm taking it deep. Y'all know I got a degree in psychology. So the therapy thing, sometimes I go there. But we always have to think about what we're thinking about and think about how we're showing up and how we're behaving. And so if someone's just perpetually offended all the time, what you're going to have to do is allow them to own that. If you're genuine and sincere and your motivation is not to harm anyone and you know that true and true to your core, then be resolved that that's the truth of where you're coming from and and let that person own their offense, own the fact that they may not be fully healed or that they're not in a place where they're able to offer grace to anybody else. But be careful, people who are very offended out there. You all got to be very careful because the same way that you don't give anybody else any room at all to maybe make a mistake or any grace, make sure you're not looking for that same grace later on, because if you don't give it, you will not get it. And so in our workplaces, we have to honor the D, the E and the I honor diversity. That means that people speak different. Everyone should not be using the same language. Everyone doesn't have to do the same thing. I think right now we're in a place in a space and y'all know here, I, this question done got me on a roll now. Y'all already know I'm going there. I'm gonna save this for a diversity and confusion episode. 
But I just have to say this, you know, so many of us who claim that we are all about and passionate about diversity, equity and inclusion are actually um, exclusionary in the name of inclusion. You actually secretly are wanting everyone else to believe what you believe. So in our workplaces, we need to be able to sit shoulder to shoulder, neck and neck with people who have a different political affiliation with us, religious affiliation. I mean, I think I may have talked about it last season, but God forbid I say I went to Chick-fil-A to get me a chicken sandwich. People are like, oh, you support them? I'm like, I was just hungry. Everything is not some political message or something out there. At the end of the day, if you honor the D, the E, and the I, diversity, equity, and inclusion, that means you should be honoring diversity of thought. You should expect people to be different. You should expect some people to know things and others not to. And everyone has their different journey and their level of awareness. And so if we want to bring people along and be inclusive, we have to have that inclusive behavior and not demonize people for what they maybe don't even know. Now, if it's a pattern of behavior, if you've corrected someone or if you've done something, uh, someone's done something over and over again and they're just refusing to budge and to adjust and to be flexible and to honor a boundary you've set, that's a different story. But God forbid someone accidentally misgenders you or accidentally calls you black, but you prefer African-American. How would they ever know if they didn't make that mistake? I'm not saying that it's okay or not okay, but I'm just saying, let's make sure that we're, we are um, you know, giving some room for this to be a learning process in a learning environment. So I'm sorry that your colleague and coworker is super offended. There's nothing you can do to change their offense and offended and defensive behavior. But what you can do if your motives are in the right place is you own that positive piece of where you're coming from and allow them to own the fact that they're offended and just listen and adjust and adapt um, as, as you see fit. And make sure they're not bullying you too, because I think some people are, have been on their DEI soapboxes lately, and so they're using DEI as a way to kind of bully other people, call other people names and things like that. And that's never okay in our workforce, so. Mm, my gosh, almost, y'all almost took me down the rabbit hole with that one, but that was a really good question. I think we have time maybe for one more. And what do I want to talk about? What would be a good one to end on? Okay, we talked about recognition at work. Oh gosh, someone said something about passive aggressive coworkers. So let's, let's, dig, let's dig into that one. Dr. Brandy, how do I deal with passive aggressive coworkers that never say to my face that something's wrong, but just behave passive aggressively in other situations when I come in contact with them? Okay, so let's talk about passive aggressive people. So I wanna just go back into my conflict management bag on this one. When you think about passive, right? So you have three, right? You have assertive people that are kind of like moderate. They can, they are direct communicators, but they, they're not necessarily aggressive, right? Then you have aggressive people and we all know what that means. And then you have passive aggressive. These are the people that you know something's wrong, but they're not gonna tell you something wrong. They actually will deny that something's wrong sometimes. So you'll be like, are you okay? Did I do something? Is there a problem? And they're like, no, I'm fine. No, what, what, what could you have done? You're like, first of all, I just, you know, you're like, good morning. Is it a good morning? You're like, whoa, whoa, right? And so what you wanna do with passive aggressive people, I recommend is be assertive. You want to be assertive and check your perception on their behavior. So this is what you need to do. The first thing is reflect and try to check back to maybe what you, you, you did to them that started this behavior. Because however they're interpreting a behavior or something that you did, 
somehow you're an adversary to them. Anytime someone puts you as their adversary, they're going to start behaving with you in either an aggressive or a passive aggressive manner. And so passive aggressive people are not going to be direct. They're not necessarily going to confront you. They're just going to behave in certain ways. They may even be considered manipulative in some ways. Um, they will maybe stonewall you. They will give you the silent treatment. They will um, all of a sudden you um, you're getting no a lot you know they're oh no you can't do that no I can't approve that no I can't help you with that and you're like what is going on all of a sudden right passive-aggressive instead of just airing it out so being direct and being assertive is going to be your best bet here call up the behavior okay I, I was gonna say call out but I caught myself you want to call people up not call them out in this case because passive-aggressive people are going to either blame shift or deny, right? And make it seem like you're the one that has the issue or you're the, no, I'm fine. I mean, you're the one, every time I turn around, you're asking me, am I okay? I mean, it's like you want me, something to be wrong with me. You're like, ma'am, something is wrong, <laughs> you know? So sometimes they can blame shift, twist it around because they're not ready. They're not ready and open and receptive to heal and to have that conversation. When you're being direct and when you're addressing someone who's passive aggressive and you know and you kind of figured out what that thing was, I recommend just go straight into an apology. You don't have to have a debrief. I've noticed that you've been passive aggressive lately. And da, 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 da. Just catch him in the hallway. Catch him on the Bob, you know what? I thought about it. I didn't even realize that at the last staff meeting, I actually cut you off right at the end when I made my point. And I apologize for that. Um, cause you were making a great point. Actually, I just was, my brain was moving so fast. I cut you off. So I just want to let you know, not going to happen again. Thank you, Bob. Keep it moving. They're going to be like, what in the world? I didn't even say anything. I didn't even, you know, you should be casual, quick about it. Don't make it bigger than what it is unless you really did something horrible. Right. Um, but other than that, I would recommend just apologize and move on. So there may be a couple of things. You may have to apologize for three things. If you don't know what it is, that's fine. Apologize for all three. Okay. Now, if you realize you're not sure what's going on, but someone's behaving passive aggressively in, in, in a weird, I'm sorry, in a, um, uh, you know, not, not too many cases, but every once in a while, it may not have anything to do with you at all. There may be something going on or something happening where they're kind of acting out or there's something on their mind. It's coming across as passive aggressive, but it literally has nothing to do with you, right? Um, and sometimes it may have something to do with you, but you don't know what it is. I recommend the perception checking method, check in with them, let them know what you've been observing. I've been, I've been observing that, um, you know, your behavior has changed in this way. I wanted to make sure, did I do anything or, you know, give them another plausible reason and then just kind of check in. And so when you, when you check in with them, allow them an opportunity to kind of air it out. Now, if they're stubborn and they are mad at you, but they're not going to actually um, admit that they're mad at you, there's nothing that you can do. You can just set boundaries moving forward. If, if their passive aggressive behavior is toxic and dysfunctional or something like that, then all you can do is set a boundary like, hey, um, you know, maybe with their tone or the way that they're speaking to you or they're very short or they're being very snippy. Call those things out so that in their anger or whatever, you can still make sure that you're not being emotionally or psychologically abused in the process through their communication style. But cool. All right. Whoo. I still did not get through. I think I may be 50 percent through the questions, but it doesn't matter if it's my podcast. So we can add as many Q&A episodes as we need to. 
Hope that this was helpful for you. Make sure that you submit questions. You can text them directly to me, 215-608-5687. Go to drbrandy.com to learn more about what we're doing on this podcast. And I love the fact that we diverted a little bit to the diversity and confusion topics that I'm normally talking about. So check that out. And then connect with me online at the Dr. Brandy on all social media platforms. And I'll see you guys on the next episode. Bye. Leader Vision Podcast.